0: Hello everyone, welcome back to Holding Fast to Faith. I'm your host, Brett Hill, and today we have a good message for you out of the book of John chapter 6. I am teaching out of the King James Version today, and the name of the message today is going to focus in on why Jesus walked out of the tomb, and it is to help you from walking back into it. John chapter 6 verse 10 says, And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number of about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise of the fishes, as many as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with fragments of five barley loaves, which remained over above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen, had seen the miracles that Jesus did, they said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. We're going to skip down to verse 25 and where it says here, and when they had found him on the other side of the sea, see Jesus uh, sent his disciples ahead of time And he went up into the mountain to pray while he was by himself and alone. And uh, while his uh, disciples was out on the water, he walked out on the sea. Peter came out to meet him. All those things happened where Peter walked on the water with him. But fast forwarding to verse 25, when the people found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me, but not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. And then he, come on, he goes on to say in verse 27, labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endures unto everlasting life, which the son of man shall give unto you. For him hath God the father sealed Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. Now I want to talk to you today a little bit on this problem here that was going on with these people. See, they had a problem. They couldn't see who Jesus really was. They pursued him not because of who he was, not because of his miracles, not because of the words that he shared with him when he was feeding them. They followed him and pursued him because he he had the ability to provide them food. They were after the bread that he shared. They thought, man, this is really remarkable. See, you've got to remember that Israel was under Roman rule at this time, and people were being taxed into poverty. Remember Levi, or better known as Matthew, the tax collector. He was he was a Jew working for the Romans to collect Jewish money to give to the Romans, and that's why he was hated so much. They were living in this area where the Romans were taxing them to death and, and finding bread, finding something to eat was something just really awesome that they ran into, and they ran into this man that could provide them bread, that could multiply bread. They thought this was really cool. And Jesus told them to simply believe his words because this was the work that God the Father wanted them to do. But they wanted a sign so that they could believe in him. See, if I were in Jesus's shoes right now, I would be thinking, well, you wicked people. I just fed 5,000 men and their families with five loaves of bread and two fish. And did you miss that sign? You're asking for a sign here and you just saw one. You saw the bread and the fish multiplied and you wicked people. You're asking for a sign. You're so carnal-minded that you missed the perfect sign and you're just asking for another. Look how they turn their unbelief or turn their belief to the past instead of who is right in front of them they say here in verse 31 they said our fathers did eat manna in the desert as it is written he gave them bread from heaven to eat see their whole problem was and still is that moses the law they they kept looking at the actual physical words of moses and they completely missed the spiritual implication of the very words that they were quoting to jesus He gave them bread to eat from heaven. This was God and speaking to Moses, telling Moses, hey, there's a bread to come. I'm just going to send you bread from heaven. And this manna, it's just a picture like all other pictures in the Bible, all these other things in the Old Testament that points toward Jesus Christ coming. And they are so locked up on this literal bread, they didn't catch the he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And who gave them that bread? God did, not Moses. They were hung up on something that was in the physical that that, that they could see and read. And that bread that was talked about in Moses was standing right in front of them. And Jesus said, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father gives you the true bread from heaven. Look at how Jesus changed that from past tense to present. He said, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. In other words, that manna, that's not the bread from heaven. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My Father gives, present tense, right now in front of you. My Father gives you the true bread from heaven. In other words, Jesus is explaining and interpreting the very scripture that they just quoted to him, and what did they say? Oh yeah, give us this bread. We'd like to have this bread you're talking about. And at this point, uh, Jesus has got to be thinking you know, that old saying that we say a lot of times about our kids when they do something really stupid, you know, bomb books and send them to school and this is what comes of it. So Jesus has got to be thinking, you know, they, they've had this in front of them this whole time and what in the world is wrong with them? But he finally says, look, people, I'm standing right here. I'm trying to teach you something spiritual of God and his kingdom and you guys are so shallow minded that you're looking for seconds at that fish sandwich buffet that I just had on the other side out of the water, and you're not looking at me and not hearing my words, you can't see something spiritual that I'm talking about to you, and you're about to miss the whole thing. You need to understand who I am and what I'm here for, but church, listen, listen to me. Jesus was explaining to them that the seeds sown in the past, the words of the prophet spoken in the past, the works and writings of the past, their job is to point to the future, not to keep you in the past. Not to keep you locked down in the past and keep you locked down into what happened yesterday or ten years ago or fifty years ago. No, the, it was the point toward the future, and and look, Jesus was the future. Their future was standing right in front of them, and He fed them bread through a miracle to the point at him, to just the, just the point at Himself. He was trying to say, as I'm feeding you this bread, I'm trying to tell you that the spiritual bread is me. I'm the spiritual bread of life that came down from heaven. He demonstrated that miracle to begin telling them that he was indeed the one that Moses wrote about and drew pictures of in Moses' writing. And they saw him. They saw his miracles. And they only asked for more physical food, not spiritual food. They didn't believe him when he said who he was, even though they knew he could multiply bread and fish at will. Jesus even emphasize this at the end of this thing. He said, You've seen me and you believe not? You still don't believe me and I'm standing right in front of you. The Messiah, the one you've been looking for. I'm standing right here and I've explained to you. I've I've told you this statement and you're you're still looking for this fish sandwich. <clears throat> Church, the Bible says that they all murmured at him. They're over here grumbling and complaining and they just they They just saw 5,000 fish sandwiches all at once come out of a single lunchbox. But they're still complaining and bad-mouthing to the hand that feeds them, the one that fed them those things. But look at Jesus coming back on them with a quote from Isaiah chapter 54. In verse 45 in that same chapter there in John, it says, "...it is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God." Every man, therefore, that hath heard, hath learned of the Father, they come unto me. See, you can't get any plainer, more simple than that at what Jesus was telling them. He said, I am the one that you've been looking for. You've been taught of the Father because I'm standing right in front of you. I'm the Messiah. Come to me. Come just... I'm the Messiah that has come to give you eternal life not those fish sandwiches that you keep talking about it and folks I know fish sandwiches not in the Bible sometimes I get carried away with demonstrations but I'm just telling you that they had bread and they had fish and that's all they had to do and if if they invented a Captain D's back then they cut that loaf of bread open throwed them some fish on it and made them a fish sandwich because that's all they had but they need they need to get a grip on reality and pay attention to who is standing right in in front of them. He says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. If you eat this bread, you will live forever. My goodness, church, they were so carnally minded that they didn't even pay attention to the emphasis Jesus was putting on prophecy being fulfilled and the Messiah being right in front of them. This bunch of guys, that you know, that you almost got to call them idiots, but they, they argued among themselves and began saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? See, they they couldn't see spiritually. They had no opportunity with their own eyes. They were so carnally minded, so wrapped in the things of this world that they could not see anything spiritual to the fact that when his words were spiritual, they were still thinking flesh they couldn't they couldn't even perceive they they couldn't discern spiritual speaking when he talked about him the word of god come in the flesh the bread to come when he called himself bread they didn't they didn't really uh Murmur at that, that hard. But when he said, "I'll give you my flesh to eat," because they couldn't get the bread part, they started saying, "Well, how can this dude give us his flesh to eat? Are we can are we cannibals?" Or you know, they they were so carnally minded that they couldn't even hear the fact that he was comparing himself in a spiritual situation here, saying that your spiritual bread, the thing that keeps you alive, the thing that will get you into heaven, is me. You need to eat the words, you need to digest the words spiritually that I am speaking to give yourself spiritual nourishment so that you'll never thirst again. I'm the one that can do that. Old oh, church we we miss so many things of God right under our noses because we can't see our past. Uh we can't see past our nose uh most of the time because we're looking at something just so physical. Proverbs 3 and 5 tells us the answer to that. And and they had this scripture back then, just at that same setting when he fed them and when they crossed the sea and he's arguing with them and trying to tell him that he's the bread of life and if you take my flesh that you'll live forever. Those people right then, they had Proverbs 3 and 5 back then. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. They had that scripture. It had been written plenty of time. They had plenty of time to study it. And yet they won't trust in the Lord. They're leaning to their own understanding. They're, they're like, uh, I don't understand what he's saying. They're so hung up in in uh, in their human nature that they can't see something spiritual. And it's, look, church, it's human nature to reject things that you don't understand. I get that. Many people do that. And a lot of people, that's just their first nature. If you say something that they don't like, they cut you off. you say something they don't understand, they cut you off. In other words, if you can't think it through to the end result and make sense of it yourself, then it has no part of your life. You don't want to have anything of it. And that's that's just shallow-minded to think that you've got the mind of God and you can understand everything that is His way and the way He wants to do things. And if you can't understand it, it can't be of God. That's really, really dangerous thinking. But where is the faith in having to see and know everything up front? If you have to be that way, you have no faith at all. You can't believe that God and and trust in God that he's got the best thing for you and that what he's doing is something you're just going to have to believe in until he makes you understand it later. These folks had no faith in God at all. They they didn't read the scriptures like they should. They didn't obey the 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 scriptures like they should. And the entire Old Testament pointed toward a Savior to come. So they knew he would someday arrive. They they had all the prophets. They had the Torah, the first five books. They had Moses. They had the law. They also knew that he would have these miracle-working abilities, and and uh, that he would even could they could even consider him. Uh, at some point, to be the one that the precious Moses was pointing to. But they couldn't do that. They they knew that the Messiah coming would have power, would have authority, would come from heaven. But right there, when Jesus took five loaves of bread and, and fed 5,000 families, they're just like, hey, this dude's pretty good at multiplying bread. Maybe the yeast in his bread is better than the yeast in ours. It just keeps on rising. no. It, their mind was so shallow they completely passed over Jesus and all they could think of when they got on the other side of the river or on the other side of the, the sea to talk to him, they were after another fish sandwich. They, they wanted to keep feeding their flesh because they were so legalistic and carnally minded they missed out on grace standing right in front of them. Church, it it kind of makes me wonder, does anybody actually read the Bible anymore? People are so blinded by legalism and carnally-minded thoughts that the church sometimes can't see God move among them in the way that he longs to do so. If the church can't see the bread for who he really is, we're going to miss out on the real feast. We're not going to be able to see the real food that he's presenting because we're, we're, we're looking for the bread. Look, I don't don't want to be sitting here eating perishable food, feeding on my flesh or feeding my flesh when he wants me to be eating the real bread of life that come down from heaven, feeding on the spiritual food, his word, the word come in the flesh that he wants me to feed on. I get that. I learned that. I learned that the hard way. But many people, they cannot see because they're so wrapped up in things of this world. And, And can I tell you why these people couldn't see him? Can I tell you why they didn't recognize the spiritual side of Jesus for who he is? Why they didn't recognize his words and be able to to understand when he was speaking in uh, spiritual terms that they were still trying to look for fish sandwiches? Let me explain this to you because it'll make more sense to you when you hear this. 2 Corinthians 6 and 17 in the King James Version wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and then I will receive you he says come out from among the world and don't be part of it don't partake in the things of this world don't touch the unclean things don't do the things that I've told you not to do the ten commandments thou shalt have no other gods before me Thou don't do this and don't do that these unclean things that he was telling them not to do he said as long as you keep yourself good and pure and of a clean heart I will receive you. Did they do that? No. Let me show you how bad they were at that. This country, the country of Israel, around 1400 BC, Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 26 through 29, for they went and served other gods and worshiped them, gods whom they didn't know and whom he had not given unto them. So so in other words, God didn't give them these gods. God didn't tell them to go do this. Matter of fact, he wrote it in stone not to do this. And in Deuteronomy 29, they went and served gods anyway other gods, gods of wooden statues, gods of bronze statues, gods that didn't didn't have statues. They were worshiping other gods from the lands that they had been placed into when they had taken the land, taken the promised land, and the, the people that inhabited that land, instead of wiping them out and wiping out their gods and their religions and destroying those religions like they should have done when they took the promised land, they just took up with them and said, hey, cool, we've got a god too. How about we just worship all of them? We'll worship by our God and we'll worship your God too. That sounds like a great idea. That happened around 1400 BC in Deuteronomy, but listen, around 1000 BC in the book of Judges, chapter two, eleven through thirteen, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam, and they forsook the Lord of their God, the Lord their God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt. In other words, they turned their back on God that brought them out of Egypt and began following other gods and that was the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves down to them, and this provoked the Lord God to anger, and they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Astaroth That was... That was in 1,000 B.C. in the book of Judges, chapter 2. Look, it just keeps on going between around 592 to 570 B.C. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 8, in the King James Version, it says, "...then he said unto me, Son of man, have you seen what the ancients of the house of Israel are doing in the dark, worshiping other gods?" every man in his own chamber, imagination in the dark, like like the Lord don't see us in the dark. We can do this and he won't see us. He also said unto me, turn thee yet again and thou shalt see greater uh, abominations than this. This was uh, somewhere around 600 to 570 BC. So in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 8, it's still going on. All the prophets that have come to them, everybody that's preached the gospel to them, everybody that's told them what God wants them to do, how to come out from among the world and don't be part of it. Don't serve these other gods. Serve me, the one that put the blood post over the door in Egypt and and saved you from the death angel, the one that parted the Red Sea and let you cross over onto dry land, the one that followed you around with a rock and the pillar of fire and, and dropped uh, manna down from heaven and sent quail out in the desert to feed you. The one that didn't let your clothes wear out. The one that didn't let your shoes wear out. The one that took care of you throughout there. The one that put the bronze serpent up on a staff. And when you looked at it, you'd be healed from the snake bites. This God serve him. Don't serve anybody else. But yet they continued over and over and over to just nonchalantly just leave him and worship these other gods, and it made God mad. Verse 14 here in Ezekiel said, Then he brought me to the door of the gates of the Lord's house, which was toward the north, and behold, there sat a woman weeping for Tammuz. I don't know if you know who Tammuz is, but that is Semiramis's son, and supposedly Nimrod, the one that was at the Tower of Babel, that built the Tower of Babel, and possibly the one that built the city of Babylon. Uh, this is the Nimrod supposedly died, and. What a pun! But Nimrod supposedly died this really horrible death, but his his uh, mother Semiramis covered it up. She wanted to keep her power in Babylon, so she lied about his death and said he was just kind of taken up into the heavens and he became the sun god. And she and uh, Nimrod, her son, shined a beam of light down on top of her, and she had gotten pregnant. She got pregnant with a in a uh, adulterous relationship. And uh, was having an out of wedlock son, and she's claiming that it's her son's son. So now Nimrod is her son and her mother, and uh, and her husband. It it this is uh, part of the Babylonian culture, and, and a lot of this stuff that goes on. You you'll have to read into that more. And I, uh, but he in verse chapter fifteen it says, then he said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these church, it was year after year after year that these people of Israel were taking part in worshiping these other gods, even while in the temple of God, Jehovah, that weeping for Tammuz and worshiping the sun god, Nimrod, uh, they were making sacrifices to the queen of heaven, which you'll find out later. Uh, there's the book of Jeremiah talks about the queen of heaven several times. That's Semeranias, Nimrod's mother slash husband, it, it, I mean, slash mu- uh, wife. And she was in that great Babylonian culture about that uh, whole situation with, with Nimrod and having Tammuz, and that created this false trinity, so to speak. Church Israel was taking part of Babylonian rituals and pagan practices to the point that they were including sacrificing their own babies to Semiramis, the queen of heaven. God was sick of it. And because of so much garbage in their minds that was embedded within the world and its practices, they could not recognize the Messiah and his miracles standing right in front of them. They were so tied up into the world and its rituals and so tied up into the flesh and caught up in the physical things and fleshly acts that they missed the Messiah right in front of them. And all they could see was this, this made, uh, this, uh, he came up with physical food. He he could create food. He could stretch food out and make it bigger. And the part about the living bread come down from heaven, they couldn't turn loose to the past. They Their minds, every time he said something about the physical bread come down from heaven, their minds got locked in on Moses and went back to the physical manna that Moses spoke of. And Jesus' words went right over their heads and they missed it. And this is why Israel never recognized Jesus. And it's the same way in the United States and most other countries now in today's time. They don't recognize him because they're so caught up in the things of this world. They're so caught up in the practices and the cultures and and all the things that their hearts are poisoned with the traditions of the carnal world to the point that when Jesus speaks to them, when Jesus presents himself to them, they can't see him. They can't tell him. And it's even when Jesus told him, who he was, what he was there for, why he was going to die. And despite his raising the dead in front of them, despite seeing him heal the sick and the blind, their minds were so focused on their fish sandwiches and they couldn't see past the physical in order to identify with the spiritual side of who Jesus Christ was. Friends, Jesus didn't walk out of the tomb so that he could make room for you to walk back into it. If you can't get your mind wrapped around who Jesus is and what he has done for you, why he did the things that he did, why he came why he performed those miracles so that he could establish who he was and who sent him. If you can't get your mind wrapped around that, you may soon reach the place where your mind gets so poisoned with the things of this world and so distorted with the things of this world that you won't be able to recognize him either nor call upon his name for help in the time of need. And I want to tell you today, Jesus, I'll I'll say it again. I, I said it just a second ago. Jesus didn't step out of the tomb so that you could step back into it. You've got to... You've got to realize that he came out of that tomb to give you life. And the only way you're going to get that life, it's not going to be through Buddha, Mohammed, or any of these other folks. Jesus Christ is the only way. He's the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Those are his words, not mine. He said it. It's written in red in the the Bible. And we have to believe that or we have eternal damnation before us. And I want to tell you, if you're listening to me today and you don't know who Jesus Christ is and these words have touched your heart, the Holy Spirit has moved into the room or into the car or wherever you're at listening to this podcast today. I want to give you an opportunity if you're feeling the Lord tug on your heart, if you're the Bible says that no man can come to me unless the Father draws him, the the Holy Spirit has to pull you. And if you're feeling the pull from the Holy Spirit today, if, if you're saying that I need to meet this Jesus, I want to know him before it's too late for me. I want you to respond to the Holy Spirit's call on your life. Find a place to pull over on the side of the road if you're listening while you're driving down the road and just pray to the Lord and tell him that you're a sinner. Let him know that you need him in your life. Let him know that you believe that he was sent from heaven. Let him know that he is that bread sent from heaven and let him know that you believe the Word of God today and that, he, that you're going to accept Him as your Lord and Savior, that you're going to accept Him to come into your life and begin to lead your life and guide your life and give you direction from this day forward. And you're going to pick up a Bible and you're going to start reading the Word of God and you're going to start finding a way to learn more about Him and, and start praying and, and seeking His face and finding more out about Him. You need to pray that prayer and ask jesus christ to come into your heart and be your lord and savior right now and do it with a sincere heart while he's pulling on you because you don't know when you're going to get to the place of Denying him or passing him by, you won't know that that sooner or later you may get to the place to where he's not going to call on you anymore and you'll miss your opportunity. Or maybe you're not wake up the next day. You don't know how many days you've got left. You don't know your next breath is given to you. Receive him now. Seek him while he can still be found. And I, I hope and pray that you've prayed that prayer today. And if you have, Please send us an email and let us know. Holding fast to faith at outlook.com. That's holding fast to faith at outlook.com. Let us worship with you. Let us praise with you. The fact that you've made the best choice in the world, the best choice of your life that you will ever make, and now heaven is abo- is where you're bound, and it will be your eternal home forever with your faith in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Thank you, Jesus. I want to thank you for tuning in with us today. God bless you, and I hope to see you on the next one.